than most. Better than most. Critical takeoff. He falls into the pit. He's going to get spat out. Please make welcome the Ball and All podcast, James Tiger Woods, Beric Eckerbarts, and the king of speaking in the third person, Steve Condor Condo Condon. Okay, Barnsley, it's a Sunday afternoon and we are in the shed. It's only you and I. We don't know where Woody is. He's somewhere floating around Brisbane after celebrating, I don't know, I think it's his birthday. He's up there with Rufus. It was Rufus, big band last night. Yeah, yeah. but uh, what a night in sport. Or oh, what a weekend. Huge. To be an Aussie uh, this morning is to wake up one proud man because we've got the Davis Cup, okay? First time in 19 years. We're into the final. We've got the Socceroos last night. Are you kidding me? Is One that of the, the first time we've had a win in how long? 12 years. At a World Cup. Since Serbia. Since yep. Pimva Bake was the coach. So One good of on the Graham great Arnold. rugby comebacks last night for a side that's really struggled. So the Wallabies, Dave Rennie and his team, 18 or 20-something players out they've got, and they were down 34-13 with 20 to go. We'll, we'll cover it all later, but unbelievable And comeback. finally, um, you know, what sets up for a fantastic final round, Cam Smith up at the Australian PGA. Yeah, on fire. So we'll get on to that around the grounds. But let's just talk soccer first. You've got some crazy stat on Saudi Arabia, don't you? Well, they had that big win over Argentina the other day. Yeah. Um, which was, if you didn't watch it, it was a great performance. Um, so whoever makes the decisions in Saudi Arabia has come out and he's decided, whoever it is, Mr. Who, has decided to incentivise uh, and reward the players and the staff. What do you reckon they're getting? Uh, what was the best? What was the best sort of one-off you got for a win? Like, well, as in the best that was- one-off I've ever heard was when Wisey was on our podcast, yeah. and he said when that when he was coaching Samoa and they beat Australia, he got given two pigs and three chickens, <laughs> and I don't think he's ever seen the king of Samoa said, "You get two pig," and um. Oh, but I don't know. Okay, where, well, where this, is a bit of a, this is a bit of a step up on Samoa. They all get a Rolls Royce. <laughs> oh, you got to be. So, without me. further ado, we're going to go to Joel from the Youth Institute, who's been, uh, his knowledge has been helping us out big time. We're learning a lot about soccer. Uh, Jolly, welcome. Hi, mate. How are you? Thank you for taking your time out on a, uh, on a Sunday, Arvo, to uh, join us on Monday's Experts uh, from the Youth I Institute. Uh, <laughs> you'd be pretty upbeat today, I'd imagine. Oh, it was massive. It was so good watching it. It was just everything they did was so much more positive than what they did against France. And it was just so good to see that they actually believed in themselves, that they belong there at the World Cup. Do you think, uh, like, obviously you were a little bit negative on their sort of tactics and how they performed against France and it was quite obvious France were just so much better. But uh, yeah. what were the main things that, you, that uh, Arnold changed, do you think, coming into the last night's game? Oh, he, he definitely he it changed their approach a hundred percent. They didn't you, you would have seen in the especially first half, they didn't sit back at all. They were on the front foot, you know, just the attitude of each player was completely different. Um, and that comes from him setting the tone in those couple of days to be a bit more positive and play on the front foot and take the game on a little bit little bit. And then when they had the ball, they were just brave. They were playing through midfield, they moved the ball really well. Um yeah, just a completely different looking team, really. And it was kind of an individual belief and a mentality that changes that, really. Jolly, who were the uh, standouts for you, mate? I, I sort of look at, you know, obviously Mitch Duke with a goal, but Harry Suter and Matty Ryan, Matt Leckie even, I thought they were pretty good. Your thoughts, mate? Yeah, Suter, I like. Man, he was outstanding. I think there's a, 
stats that come out this morning, 100% of tackles won, 100% of ground challenges won, 80% passing rate. Like his figure, the, the numbers were amazing from him. And then you've got that last tackle that he did when he tracked that runner mm-hmm. back and slid in and won that ball. Like that's just like, you got to remember, this guy did his ACL a year ago. Like, he hasn't had he, any soccer, has he, really, in the lead-up to this? Played, he hasn't played any first-team minutes to, to the lead-up to the World Cup. So I think he was probably our best. But well, as you said, Leckie was amazing. Um, but I think it was just more of a cohesive unit, Ferry. Like, they just mm. looked like they were united and together, which was really positive. Yeah, and I, I think a bit of kudos to Graham Arnold here. He, mm. He's... He's been around for a long, long time, obviously in with, within different squads, but he's the first Aussie-born coach to win a game at the World Cup. Obviously, Pimbervake and Gus Hiddink were the others. But, uh, mate, have you had anything to do with him and, and his sort of coaching? No, nah, I, I have not. Not personally, no, I haven't. I, I know um, our good mate, Benny Roach, has worked with Arnie a fair bit and has a pretty good relationship with him. And I've heard just the conversations that I've had with Benny, sort of Arnie's approach to the way that he he does things like he's got that really, you know, that hardened mentality of a lot of Aussie sort of sports teams where you dig in and you don't let your mates down. But then he comes with like a, a, a pretty good tactical base as well to get the best out of sort of the squad. And when those two things combine, you see what happened last night. It, it's pretty, it's pretty impressive. So, Jolly, the hard questions. Number one, can we get out of our pool? Hundred percent, we can. Like I said, that the first day we could get out. Yeah. I thought we needed to get a draw against France, but we can definitely get out now. Like that's going to give so much positivity to that group. Like they're going to be, they're going to be confident. They're going to be buzzing for the next couple of days of training, and then I, I would imagine they just take the game on against Denmark as well. You know, just just be positive. You're only there once. Don't don't let anything. Don't let any what ifs happen. Don't walk off and be like man, what if we approached it the same way we did Tunisia? Just go for it and, and get into that final 16 for only our second time ever. Uh, it'd be unbelievable, mate. So just on scenarios for those at home, it, uh, will a draw be enough? Yeah, a draw will get us through, Barry, if um, France win. So okay. France, the, the concerning thing is we probably wanted France and Denmark to have a draw because I think France will rest a lot of players against Tunisia. Yeah. Um. They'll freshen players up for that round of sixteen. So look, that's probably a little bit of a concern. But I think the French team are going that good at the moment. I don't think they matter who they put on there. They'll beat Tunisia. Yeah. And um. So if we look to the round of sixteen, so we're just going to back the fact that we're going to get through to the next round. Yeah. Um. Who are we going to come up against? Do you think? It's like that pool that we're we're kind of going out against is that the Argentinian pool. So like Saudi Arabia. Argentina and Poland, like they are all on three points in that group. That group's so tight. Yeah. Like we could, honestly, we can face the way that that sort of group's going to pan out. We can face any any one of those three teams. Like you know, it's so tight in that group. So we, we've got to. Once we get out, we got an extremely hard run. But that's not the fact. The fact is to get out and then dream to achieve after that. Beautiful. And uh, any other sort of mouth watering. Uh, Matchups in the round sixteen that that you can sort of yeah, envisage at this stage. Yeah, like it, it's pretty tough. We've probably got to wait till um, today, today and tomorrow to pass to then get a true reading of where everyone is after two games. But look, it looks like Belgium is probably going to meet Germany, 
after Germany's loss to Japan. Like, it looks like that could happen, which would be a cracker. You've got Spain, Croatia that could happen, Spain, Morocco, England, Ecuador, and then Portugal to face Switzerland or even Brazil if they finish second in their group. That'd be good. Ronaldo and all these boys up against the Brazilians. Yeah, it could like that. It's pretty amazing how a couple of those little upsets have turned the round of sixteen, the first game into out of the group stage. They can be some really good games that probably people didn't expect to see at that stage of the World Cup. Beautiful, right? I will. Uh, we'll have you in the shed in person on Thursday. I think you're going to join us uh, around the table to um, uh, to join us for the podcast with Brad Smith. Oh, I can't wait, boys! Can't wait. Ah, good stuff, Jolly. Thanks, right Ace, mate. See you Thursday. Jolly. See you, boys. Enjoy your weekend. Bye. Well, there you go. That's a wrap from Jolly. Pretty, uh, pretty comprehensive. So and positive too. Like, yeah, it's I like just that. Such a big game that one last night. And yeah. as he said, it was the the way we took it on. Spoke really glowingly about Graham Arnold. Whatever he's done with those players and the belief they had, fantastic. I fuck, I love the passion of the World Cup. Like only two nights ago, I'm watching Iran, right? And Iran, the anthem comes on, and it pans to an old guy in the stand. He sees himself on the screen, and he just bawls. He bawls for the, the whole anthem. Really? He's just crying because it means so much to him. Like, a lot of the we, – we forget we play so many sports, and we're on the world stage in a lot of them. So it means a bit, but it doesn't – for some of these other countries, this is their only chance to represent – they have their country on a world stage up in lights. And – it means so much to them, and there's a reason why it's the biggest global sporting event on the calendar. Yeah, and it's only just starting to hot up, which is a good thing in the next couple of weeks. It's going to be some great viewing. Uh, Davis Cup. Ha ha, you're kidding. We're finally back. Because you, you remember being as a kid, Davis Cup was the biggest thing in tennis, really. Like, the team's event, we were always there, thereabouts, winning it, and we're finally back. First time into the final in 19 years. Well, this probably answers Vaughan Blakey's question a couple of weeks ago. Where is that Leighton Hewitt fighting spirit? Well, we saw it. Well, we did, and Leighton, ironically, is the coach. So, you've got guys there. We probably, probably most people who don't follow tennis wouldn't know him. You know, obviously, we know Tanasi Kokonakis, mostly due to his comments about yeah. certain things, but, you know, Alex D. Menor, he was Max Purcell. Yeah, Alex De Menor had to come against Marin Cilic. People don't know he's a US Open winner. Big serving, huge thing. And he just, he, one point, I dead set, I didn't know how he got half of them back and he still managed to fight. And that was the crucial singles game which gave us a chance in the doubles. So to, uh, it was Max Purcell and uh, Jordan Thompson. Did you see Maxi Purcell's comment after the, uh, the win? No. They asked him what it meant to him and he goes, there's nothing fucking like it. <laughs> right on the TV and they're beeping stuff Who out. Who are they going to play in the final, Barnsley? They will play either Canada or um, Canada or Italy they're going to be playing. So you'd have to give us a chance. Big chance. We beat Croatia over there. Yeah. That's a hard thing to do. They've been a strong team for a number of years. So look, uh, to Leighton Hewitt and the boys, go get them. Wallabies have had a really difficult uh, spring tour, um, losing a couple of games by a point, last couple of minutes. 11 out for last night's starting side. Um, 11? Oh, well, I reckon we've got about 20 out. Yeah, we? well, I think 11 from the previous week. I think That's about, just the I, previous week. I so. think 18 from the start of the tour. And then they go to a, as you... Probably um, 25 from when you go from the start of the year, when well, you look Karevi at Quake Cooper, Karevi, yeah. Korobetti, Foley. And they go to a, I suppose, what, third, fourth string, number 10? Yeah, and Ben Donaldson. Uh, he did well. And Noel Alessio had a big impact off the bench. But I think the find of the tournament has been Mark Nawana Tiasi, the, the winger, winger. Yeah. was outstanding. Yeah. Finished off 
couple of tries really well, made a couple of key crucial line breaks at the end of the game. Uh, and, and to be honest, in all the tests he's done, he's done well. And He was I, very good last week. I had a big question mark over him. I, I, being honest, I, I thought at various times through the year, you kind of think there's a soft tinge to his game. He's well and truly disproven that. He's been outstanding and probably has played himself into a jersey for definitely the starting test next year if he keeps a bit of that form up with the Tarts. I thought you know, him and uh, Cora Betty on the wings gives you a fair bit of punch. Yeah, well, they've had, a, they've had a really difficult run, so it's great to see them finish uh, on a positive and get on a plane and come, come back and rest up for a yeah. World Cup year whichever year. idiot put five games on their spring tour just as a way to probably make money is a dead shit. Twit. Is, is a twit. Mm. Four games maximum. It's taken okay? a At a World Cup, it? you get a chance to have an off week because you're going to get a minnow nation. It's too hard on them, especially after a long year of rugby and so much travel. That's what people don't understand. They just look at the game thing. They forget that rugby, you've got to travel halfway around the world just to play it. Mm. So, good. Yeah. yeah, well done to Dave Rennie and Wisey and all the coaches because uh, they've been under a fair bit of pressure. Good to, good to see them get a, just, uh, just desserts. Just On to the golf. So, uh, Cam Smith uh, out in front, Australian PGA. Um, I don't know if you've watched much of it over the weekend, but he's been enormous. Uh, the crowds up there are probably Greg Normanish. Like, really? Oh, it's like ten deep. It well, just shows how golf starved we've been, though. Yep, and and I think also secondly, uh, we sort of talked about this at the end of last week. The quality of the field, the field is like top shelf, and it probably, apart from a couple of US guys, it's probably as good a field that we've had for probably probably fifteen years. Um, you know, so. Cam putting on a, a great display, lots of good good young golfers behind him. Um, he hasn't stopped all week, apparently. He's, uh, t- t- tell me about what he's doing off the field, because like off the field or off the, off course. the course. Well, Huge. it started, started last Sunday when uh, Cam and his coach, Grant Field, um, conducted trying to knock off a Guinness Book of Records for the biggest lesson, and I think they had 1,200. Wow. Where they gave a joint lesson at at uh, at RQ, yeah. and then that went into Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, which were effectively pro ams. I believe on the Sunday night or the Monday night, he turned up at uh, his old golf club where he grew up, where his dad's still a member, uh, with the claret jug, yeah. <laughs> and me- and members just <laughs> members just sat there with the claret jug on the bar and filled it up and got photos oh. and had a chug and whatever. Fantastic. Um, just to, I think to give you an idea of the person. Um, this week he's staying in suburbia Brisbane with his sister and he's put up at his expense, obviously, his caddy and Leishman's caddy in a penthouse in CBD Brisbane. A guy's quality. Two yeah. weeks here, he's going to And do I know some people out there will say, yeah, well, he's earning $140 million. Of course, you know what I mean? He cares, but it takes a special person to change all those habits and be as generous as what he is. So, um, yeah, but just I think first I, class. And, and you know this from, uh, from sort of global travel and turning up and realigning the body clock and all the rest of it like the parameters that and and, you know obviously he doesn't go without anything on monitoring his performance but my understanding is the parameters of where he was prior to teeing off on Thursday energy sleep all that sort of stuff with all the commitments that he's attended to were pretty much as low as they could be so for him to then come out ease in on Thursday good performance uh on Friday and to be leading you know, and, and probably take it away is a testament to the person, I think. So we got r- two really good weeks of, of watching somebody who's probably, with Rory McIlroy, probably at the top of his game, probably the best golfer in the world at the moment. All right, here's a question for you. Which Cameron Smith goes down as the greatest of all time? <laughs> well, I think it's interesting, Barnsley. I don't know if you saw it, but 
Cameron Smith that you're alluding to, yep. uh, the, rugby league the, player. The, the great referee, he, <laughs> he, um, he actually played in the Pro-Am with Cam Smith the other day. No way. Yeah, and he, and he hits a good ball. And apparently he was that nervous and Cam Smith, the golfer, was apparently giving it to him. He topped it on the first tee. <laughs> and then after three or four holes, apparently he was... He warmed uh, into it. Yeah, he was, uh, he was striking Jeez, that's it. two absolute legends, isn't it? Oh, hell yeah. And I think the Bronco... I mean, he, he, I don't know if you saw the footage, but he arrived into Australia uh, last Saturday morning and he's got his Broncos hat on and Ben Eichens had him up at, at the Broncos. He's been using their gym and, you know, it's fantastic. So he hasn't... Uh, he definitely hasn't lost sight of where he came from. Fantastic. Um, first time caller, long time listener. Uh, we can't go past. We've had a couple, but we can't go past the uh, the English fast bowler He's again. He's back, this week. is he? He is back. So have a listen to this one. All right, good evening, lads. Fast bowler here, all the way from Dubai. I've been listening to you. We're over here for the World Cup. We've been steaming on the pints after the absolute shite that we played against the USA yesterday. Shite, I tell you. You lads have got uh, Tunisia tomorrow. We wish you all the best. Question for you. What is the greatest World Cup performance by a single player in the last 20 years? I give you a couple. Roger Miller for Cameroon. Absolutely brilliant. What about Tim Cale in 2006? I'll let you lads decide. Coming in hot. Can't wait to hear from you. Bye. <laughs> The great how, man. He's in, how good is he? He in reminds Dubai. me of um, Barmy Army. You know those guys, that, that the equivalent where they called the Fanatics? Where, they where just the travel. Fanatics in Australia, yeah, yeah, yeah. And the Barmy Army, obviously. That's what he reminds England. me of. He's just travelling around and... Just doing the sport. What a champion. Yeah, what a uh, good question. Um, well, what? just those two those two alone, right, Cahill, is, I'm guessing he's referring to that game in Japan mm. where he gets filthy because he's left on the bench because he was usually starting comes out and just proves everyone wrong with two great goals and that classic header that he's renowned for. So, yeah. And, and obviously the post-goal celebration. Runs over to the corner post. But the thing with is, where did he get that from? That's Roger Miller. Roger Miller, mate, Cameroonian international. He's the oldest goal scorer in the history of the World Cup. I think he got four in the 1990 World Cup at 38 years old. And then he turns up again 42 in 1994. And scores against Russia. So at 42 years old, he is the oldest goal scorer and was named in Pele's, um, I think he was named in Pele's 100 greatest players of the last century. That Cameroon side was unbelievable in that World Cup. Entertaining. Yeah. Yeah, and the first probably of the real African sides to light up an international tournament. I'm actually probably going to sit on the fence with my answer a little bit because I don't think we've seen it. I think we're going to see it in the next two weeks. Yeah, right. I've just got the feel that this World Cup is really setting up for a nation like the US or someone like that to put in a real stellar performance into the back end of the season, uh, back end of the competition. Oh, it won't be the US. Well, someone like that. Yeah, right, know? just a roughie yeah. that had come through. Well, Croatia kind of did it at the last World Cup, which was pretty amazing. Mm. For You think a nation the size of Tasmania with a population of three to four million and take on the might of the soccer? Incredible. Look, if I'm going to answer his question, though, there's a reason why Pelé and Maradona are the two greatest players of all time. You go back and watch Pelé's game against France in 1958. There's footage of it on YouTube. They've just got 10 minutes of his touches. He's 17 years old. He's younger than any other player. He scores a hat-trick. Now, it's not just the way he scores the goals. It's the touches, the way he's on ball, the way he's moving. He's 17. Unbelievable. And, and, when, then, and then you've got 1986 
Maradona versus England, but it was the tournament of Maradona, mate. Yeah. Off the field, he's partying, he's yeah. on the coke, he's <laughs> crazy. On the field, he is ridiculous, and he he scores what the goal of the century and the hand of God in the yeah. one game to send England packing. Like those two for me, big time players, the greatest of all time in their chosen sport. Obviously, with Messi and Ronaldo coming now, but those two of yesteryear. That's why. That's why they were. And I think when you on. when you hear their names, it's sort of like talking about Muhammad Ali, isn't it? Like yeah. where, where they're standing in the sport. Yeah, and I think obviously the, the great soccer debate is Pele for his sheer numbers. Statistically, right, there was a guy, um, we should do this as a question, but there's a Melbourneian guy who did the standard deviation for the greatest sportsman of all time. I'm not going to dive into that now, but Pele was rated the greatest soccer player of all time. I reckon we go on a deep dive in that in a few weeks. But um, and then you've got Maradona, who for pure skill and just what he brought to the... Like, Muhammad Ali doesn't have the greatest heavyweight record of all time, but... What he brought to the what sport. What he brought to the sport and yeah. the passion and the, and the fallibility of a... A bit like Warney. Yeah, and what he stood for. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, homework review for this week, Barnsley. We're going to do it. We're going to go back to a numbers one. Um, we've obviously been running with a bit of a World Cup theme. So, Condo's going to turn up on Thursday and I'm going to do a deep dive into the numbers around the World Cup. Beautiful. And, and you're going to – there's going to be some uh, – there's going to be some surprises. Is my head going to hurt because I am not very good with numbers? Uh, I don't know if your head will <laughs> hurt. Woody won't be back so he can probably listen Should to it. Should we get Satsbet in? Satsbet – Satsbet – actually, Satsbet will be off the bench on Thursday. Yeah. Beautiful. He'll understand it. He's nah, a he's man. Get off the fence. We got anything this week? Uh, not really. I think the only thing there is – it's, uh, you know, the Australian cricket thing just keeps sort of just bubbling away and there's a lot of criticism both ways. Let's just hope on that and it'll probably be our last comment. Let's, it, it, parties, go and sit down. Justin yeah. Lee, go and sit down with Pat Cummins. Let's just sort it out and move on. You guys are bigger and better than this and let's get on for a good And I think, look, at summer. the moment there's no cricket really on the TV that's any interesting. So this is the thing they can, the media can dive into and dissect. No more comments, really. You're yeah. right. Just well, there's about four articles in the papers over the weekend, and they're you know taking sides and quite critical. We don't need that. So Australian cricket doesn't need that. The public are off it, I think, because of these sorts of issues. So let's um let's get to the table and smoke the peace pipe. Um, balls deep, Socceroos, aren't they? How good were they? But I'll also just two local ones for. People, uh, we've been following the Swooping Magpies, the Little Lennox Head Public School. They won on the weekend, but there was dramas. Condo, you were down there at Williams Reserve, the home of cricket. Um, <laughs> mate, there was tension around the ground because uh, the Swooping Magpies tied, but they won on a wicket countback. So the kids all the way from Merriweather who came up, the Junction Primary School, great bunch of kids with a great teacher, enthusiastic. Look, is, it, is there anything better than kids' sport played? I don't know. In the right spirit. Played in the right spirit. Well, I, I, my two observations, Barnsley, and, and we shared this on Friday while I was over there supporting the Swooping Magpies, is number one, <laughs> I couldn't believe the intensity. Like, it was just, you know, on a Friday, uh, mid-morning, the intensity around that field, <laughs> like, you know, <laughs> not dropping catches, making sure you've, you know, you're stopping every ink on the boundary, turning for, you know, the amount of times kids in both, time, both teams turn for the second, stop, start, stop, start. Yeah. Like, it was, it was just, uh, it was borderline just hanging on the edge all morning. I think that's the first thing. The second thing is, for me, it really endorses the fact that the NRL have fucked up. Oh yeah, around with the, competitive, uh, competitive sport. sport like, the, I, so what? Just just to clarify, what is the NRL? They're saying from twelve and under from now on, 
there'll be no non, grand finals, no non-competitive. wins, no, non-competitive. Non-competitive. And I watched those kids, mm. so uh, you had kids in year three, year four. Or year four, I think, was the youngest. Sorry, year, year five four, and year, six, yeah. yeah. Okay, yep. so, so the oldest is 12. And the youngest is 10. 100%. Yep. And it comes back to the leadership, coaching and teachers, but especially when you get out of school, it comes back to the coaching and the leadership of how, how kids conduct themselves and how they get moulded in those teenage years on how they perform on the field and, more importantly, off the field and how they deal with wins and losses that prepare them in later life. And those two teams, Merriweb team, didn't know any of them, didn't know the teacher. Obviously, I know some kids in the Sweeping Magpies and yourself and the teacher and a few people around the, uh, around the edges conducted themselves... Absolutely top shelf. And you reckon the kids don't want to compete? Yeah. All you had to do was spend half an hour watching the kids on Friday at Williams Reserve. It was fantastic. Well said, mate. Um, just on them, they go down to Bathurst this Tuesday. So they're basically all on a plane or driving down there tomorrow. So hats off to the teachers and parents there. Have you chartered a plane? Uh, no, unfortunately I've got to be out of work. But bloody my missus is going down there. Um, the... The worst they can finish is fourth in the state. So they will play a semi-final, and the winner of that game will then play in the GF that afternoon. So for the kids from a small little public school in Lennox Head, New South Wales, to be playing at that sort of so, level. So huge. regardless, the winner will play two games in one day? The winners, yep, oh, will play. Oh, okay. Yeah, so come 225 overs. Yeah, so it'll be a good contest. Gup the swooping magpies. And you know, and you know one thing, Barnsley, they will never forget this. No, they won't. And just last thing, another thing, um, when we're talking about Balls Deep, there's a few people in the community, a young kid called Rody Meredith, who's gone out and raised over five grand for um, DIPG cancer, which is that rare brainstem cancer, which has got a horrific, uh, there's no cure, okay? And the, the rate at which it attacks the body is, yeah, mind-boggling. So he's gone out off his own bat, done a fundraising campaign, shaved his head and raised over five grand. Um, to him and his parents, well Little done. Little legend. Yeah, yep. he's done a great job. Well yep. done. Uh, final word. Uh, final word, Connor. What, what have you got? Well, firstly, I'll talk on behalf of Woody because he's still asleep. He doesn't have a final word because he went to Rufus last night in Brisbane. Yeah, yeah. right. Uh, and that was part of his uh, November celebrations. He's every weekend, including his birthday, which is this weekend's all about his birthday celebrations. Jesus, he has had the month from, well... Good and bad in many ways. So we'll check in with him this week and we'll get updates for his final word on the Aussie titles up at North Australia. My final word is, uh, I think just in line with what I just said about junior sport, you you know, there's nothing wrong with competitive sport as long as you've got good leadership. Spot on, mate. Let's finish it there. Okay, Satsbet is in on Thursday. Can't wait to bring him off the pine. All the best, Woody. See you guys.